Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 240. I almost said 239, because I was looking at it to make sure we were in the right place. Uh, how are you today? I am... Have I told you lately that I'm tired? I am tired. Like, all of my all of my movie, movie parts, all my parts that do the moving and the shaking... They don't want to do it no more. They're just like, oh, I took a nap in my car. <laughs> that didn't help. Um, man, it's that time of year where my my job job slows down. Both of my jobs slow down. Uh, but at the same time, it's like there's so much to do, but there's so little time to do it in because it's all weather depending, and it's starting to get cold here. Uh, so, man, I'm just. Whew, I'm beat, let me tell you. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's the way the world goes around. You're up one day, the next you're down. I would keep going, but I don't want John Prine to sue me. I don't think he would. Seems like an alright fella, but who knows. Uh, what do we got going on since last we done spoke? Well, since last we done spoke, it was September. It's now October. Hello. Say hello, October. Good job. Um... So we've got some more Dragon Warrior 7 for me, and that's it. Uh, we have a topic for this month's monthly, which Scarlet got to us late, because Scarlet... That was on baby duty. We will always have a baby. It can wait. You'll have it for a long time. You can take five minutes. It's fine. This is why I don't have children. Because uh, I, You know what? I might. I might have a child. I might have left it somewhere <laughs> seven years ago. Who knows? Um... Uh, that is going to be games that we rented and regret. Uh, regret having put the time into. Um, probably demoed could probably work with that. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to ask him. I'm just going to say rented. Uh, do I know what I'm going to do yet? I had a couple of ideas, but it turns out I've already done some of them. Like Michael Jordan, Chaos in the Windy City. That could count. I, I rented that game and dang if I know why. I'm going to have to put my thinking cap on for that one. Uh, over in the other section of the forums, we've got new soundtracks like Icy and games like Jeopardy and the Great Waldo Search as part of the 365 days of Super Nintendo stuff. Um, I think that's it. Nothing else to really mention, so let's just move on, shine we?
original rumblers, Axel and Blaze, slam the asphalt with bigger, better, totally devastating attacks. Skull-crushing ex-wrestler Max Thunder joins up with earth-shattering body slams and spinning fist attacks. New thrasher Skate slices punks with high-speed inline skate attacks and spinning jump kicks. Go Maniac with jaw-shattering, bone-busting punches, head-cracking jump kicks, and secret weapons. Gangs of dirt bikers dive into you from every side. Smash them with a pipe as they speed by. 16 gigantic megs of compound fractures. All new moves and more of them. Bust Knuckles with a friend in all-new two-player head-to-head mode. This is Streets of Rage 2, a beat-em-up for the Genesis, developed and published by Sega, released in 1992. And I don't think some of that information is purely medically accurate. Um, 16 gigantic megs of compound fractures, as opposed to 16 minuscule megs? All new moves and more of them? So not only are there more moves, but there's more more moves? I guess. I don't know. Uh, this was a game that I did co-op with Galif Black Mage forever and ever ago. At his request, if I remember right. And we... are <laughs> The way we recorded this, it was just kind of like, let's see if it's going to work. Okay, it works. Let's just go. And then we did it. And, oh boy, the beginning's rough. The end's rough. But the middle's pretty good. I guess there's robots. I don't know.
I'm not totally sure what the reviews are going to look like for this. Um, I mean, I could just look, I suppose. That's, that's one way to do it. There's more than I thought there were going to be, and wow, there's uh, one of our regulars who did a detailed review, so uh, I'm not going to do that one, but I, I'm going to spoil that one. What? No yo-yo? Great! That's from Psycho Penguin. He gave it a perfect score. Uh, let's, I mean, we'll do that one and that one. We'll do that one and that one. That's science right there. That one and that one. Who wouldn't think that's science? If you don't think that's science, you are wrong. Sorry, I'm trying to do other things before I forget. Okay. <clears throat> Another excellent Zelda clone. A Zelda's Revenge Star Tropics 2 review by Walker Bo Olmsford. Where Star Tropics was good, its sequel was even better. The control was better in this game, and the music was a completely different thing from the original. Control 10 out of 10. Well, it's better than its predecessors, that's for sure. You can turn in mid-air while you jump, and this is quite useful when battling. Just be careful around holes. If you jump at the wrong angle, you'll die. You can even throw your weapon in eight different directions. Audio. 10 out of 10. The SFX are still NES SFX, but we're still talking about the NES here. Whoa, easy, buddy. Some sounds from the original are back, if slightly reformatted. The sound for when Mike takes damage is a truly painful sounding noise. It goes... The music is cool, but features none of the previous game's music, unless you count the theme for when you die. Well, then it does. Well, it's not exactly the same, but it is close. It also does not have the same feel as the music in the first Star Tropics, where the first game's music had a tropical feel to it. This game lacks that. The music fits whatever area you happen to be in, whether it be the Egyptian area or Sherlock Holmes's place. Spoiler alert, the Egyptian music was in, I think it was in last week's episode, and if you couldn't pick it out, well, that's because it doesn't sound like that at all. The boss theme in the game was really quite good, and I know so far that there are two. I'm still working on this game. The boss theme from normal bosses is quite catchy, as is the theme for when you face off against one of Zoda's several forms. That theme is very fast-paced, too, and will heighten the experience of the battle very well. The victory theme that plays when a boss is destroyed is quite catchy, although not anything like the victory theme from the previous game. I'm still working on both games, so I wouldn't know about the ending themes. Well, I'll find out someday. I want to point out that the audio section of the review is longer than the rest of the review. Story 10 out of 10. In this installment, Mike Jones is at his uncle's research facility and his uncle is trying to unravel the mystery of a strange book called the Oxford Wonder World. Suddenly, Mike takes up the book and recites the spell, which was taken from a Beach Boys song, if I remember correctly. This series of games is full of puns and things. The effects of the spell are unbelievable as Mike is hurled into another time and place. He soon discovers that he is on a quest to locate seven tetrads, which are scattered on Earth and are sought by the evil alien Zoda, whom you fought in the previous game. Mike must gather up the tetrads and protect them from the aliens at all costs. There you go. And I, I think, I could be wrong, but I believe the quote-unquote magic spell, uh, it's not the Beach Boys. I think it was the, I think it was the Big Bopper, wasn't it? I think so. Anyway, overall, da-da-da-da, -da -da, a challenging game that is made, is made easier by its better controls. If you can find it, get it. It'll be worth it. He gave it a flawless. I could not disagree more. Uh, I will say I have, I have this cart. Um, well, let's read the other review, and then we'll, we'll go from there, okay? Okay, I don't need you, don't need you. An overrated sequel to an underrated game. 
That's more my style. Uh, Dark Rider X brings us this one from the Space Year 2001. Star Tropics 2 Zoda's Revenge is the sequel to an underrated NES adventure game called, oddly enough, Star Tropics. In a perfect world, the sequel to a game fixes the faults of the original and improves the good aspects. I, I like where you're going already, Dark Rider. In some instances, this occurs. If that is so, then why is this game inferior to the original? Story 5 out of 10. The story has a good bit to do with it. Admittedly, the first Star Tropics didn't exactly have a Shakespearean plot, but this game actually manages to lower the bar. As Mike, the main character from the first game, you must travel through various periods of time in search of the magical Tetrads. While looking for magical Tetris pieces may appeal to you, it doesn't appeal to me. All the ho hopping through time makes the game seem uh, less cohesive than the original. It just seems that the designers should have thought things through a little more. Graphics, 7 out of 10. Is it possible for something to be both good and bad? You know what? I know exactly what you mean. Uh, technically, the graphics are superior to the original. The addition of vertical height to the dungeons was a step in the right direction, too. The graphics are well done, but they just lack a certain soul, so to speak. They appear to be flat and devoid of life. The graphics of the original were bright and vibrant due to the tropical island setting. I feel that the time travel shtick hurt this area of the game, too. Maybe if the setting had been more complete and smooth flowing, then the graphics could have reflected this. I, I, I agree with that. I never was able to... I never really put that much thought into it, to tell you the truth. Uh, they are good. Like, technically, on on the just scale of what you accomplished, the graphics are better than the original. But they don't... They don't feel good. That's weird to say for graphics, but, you, you know... Sound 6 out of 10. The music is about the same as the original Star Tropics, which is to say that it is barely better than average. There are a few tunes that stick in your head, but overall the music is rather forgettable. The sound effects aren't much better, but I actually expected this. Come on, people, it is the NES. You can only do so much. Control 7 out of 10. This is by far the biggest improvement over the original. Oddly enough, it is the most simple of the changes. What could this great change be? Let me put it like this. Diagonal movement. That's it, you ask? You would be amazed how such a thing can change the way you play a game. I can't tell you how many times I wished I could move diagonally on the first one. Diagonal movement makes it much easier to dodge enemy attacks as well as adding more realism to the controls. The only reason that I gave the control the same rating as graphics is that you still have little mid-air control while jumping. In fact, it seems to be a little worse, but I think it's just because you have overall better control. It just seems worse because the rest is so good. Uh, it is apparent that I have a strong bias for the first Star Tropics. I think it's one of the best games that I've ever played on the NES. As such, when I review a sequel to a game that I like, I ask myself this. Would I have liked this game more if it didn't have the name, insert series name, here in it? The truth is, I probably would have liked it better. It just doesn't hold a candle to the first game. So the question is, should I go and find a copy of this game? Yeah, you should. If you never played the first Star Tropics, then you will probably like Star Tropics 2 just fine. It's a solid NES adventure worthy to put in your aging machine. If you're a veteran of the series, then you should still play the game, if only to see what happened to all the characters from the first game. Just keep in mind that it is an inferior game. Dark Rider gave it a 3. I will agree with that. Um, I don't like what they did with the control, though. Everybody's very, like, you can move diagonally. That's great. It makes it so much easier to deal with the enemies. But the enemies can move diagonally, too. You couldn't in the first game, and neither could they. I liked the finality 
of movement in the first game. I like the sureness of movement in the first game. It was very tile-based. This game, not so much, and I think a lot of the deaths that I ran into in my playthrough were just like, I should have been on a, on a square there. Um, it's easy to fall off edges, it's easy to jump the wrong way, it's easy to miss a ledge, it's easy to fall through blocks. That happened to me a few times in my Let's Play. I do not like what they did with the control in this game, I don't like what they did with the graphics, and I don't like what they did with the music. Um, I don't think it's a bad game, I just do not think it is as good as the first game. And you can quote me on that.
So I think they've just given up on the headlines of the news. Um, our, our headline is uh, News for the Weird for September 27th. So, I mean, it's fine, but they really should put in a headline for the lead story because there's not one and there hasn't been for a couple weeks. Uh, let's see. It started out innocently enough. A road-tripping couple stopped in Grosse Tête, Louisiana on September 18th to let their deaf pup relieve himself. As they stretched their legs, they wandered over to the Tiger Truck Stop Petting Zoo and an enclosure that's home to Casper the Camel. And the man started throwing treats inside. But when their dog breached the fence to get at the treats, the woman, ignoring no trespassing signs, followed. As she chased the dog, her husband shoved the camel and swatted him with his hat. That's when Casper lost his cool, settling his 600-pound camel booty right on top of the woman. She told officers from the Iberville Parish Sheriff's Office that she did the only thing she could do. Quote, I bit his balls to get him off of me. Deputy Lewis Hamilton Jr. cited the couple for leash law violations and criminal trespassing, siding with Casper. The camel did nothing wrong, Hamilton told the advocate. The camel has never been aggressive. The veterinarian treated the camel with antibiotics after the incident. I feel like there's more to that story. Like, we didn't hear... You know what I mean? She chased the dog, and then the guy pushes the camel. What did the camel do to deserve being pushed? Right? Right? Did the guy just choose to attack the camel? I have questions. Can't possibly be true. A Trumbull County, Ohio sheriff's deputy pulled over an Amish buggy on Domley Road early in the morning of September 15th after the officer noted a few oddities about the vehicle. For one, there were two Amish men inside who were drinking, and on the buggy's roof rode a 12-pack of beer. And according to Fox 8, the old-fashioned conveyance sported an unlikely modern convenience, a stereo system with large speakers. As soon as the buggy came to the stop, the two men jumped out and escaped into heavy woods near the road. Meanwhile, the horse trailing the buggy took off. The officer was able to catch up with the horse and have the buggy towed. The drivers were still at large. The buggy, quote, is a vehicle, it's on the roadway, and the laws do apply, said uh, Chief Deputy Joe Dragovic. You are not allowed to drink and drive or operate a buggy. At least not on the road, anyway. Seemed like a good idea at the time, I suppose. The Tennessee Titans were all fired up for their NFL home opener on September 15th at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. <sighs> Nothing says Nashville like Nissans. According, uh, accordingly, excuse me, Oh, I heard about this. So was some of their pyrotechnic equipment, which caught fire during player introductions, spreading flames and thick black smoke near one end zone. According to Bleacher Report, no one was hurt and flames were extinguished quickly, but the NFL, taking its usual proactive stance, placed a ban on all flame effects and pyrotechnics used on the playing fields until an investigation can be completed. No word on any sort of ban for the uh, was it Eagles player who got really hurt uh, last week. Probably nothing. Police arrived at the home of Vernell Jackson, 83, in Norway, Maine, on September 17th, inquiring about the whereabouts of another unnamed woman in her 80s who had reportedly lived with Jackson. 
Guys, you can't say another unnamed woman. We've only had two women. One has been named. It's not the Bible. You just can't make up people and not tell us about them. Uh, as police excavated the backyard and the story unfolded, Jackson admitted to authorities at WMTW News 8 that she was the one who buried the woman about 18 months ago. What? Okay, hold on. Hold on. You you went to Vernell Jackson's house and said somebody else is missing. Not not I'm I'm running into problems already. The the cops go to Vernell's house. They say that the third woman is missing and they immediately decide to dig up her backyard. And that's when Vernell said that a year and a half ago uh, she buried this woman in her backyard. Quote, She begged me when she passed away that she didn't have enough insurance to bury her, and I don't have it, and she said, Will you promise to bury me in your yard so I'll be close? I finally agreed to do it to satisfy her. Wow. Jackson explained. That's a great explanation. I put her in a tarp. I didn't carry her. I have COPD. I couldn't breathe that good. This is a Donald Trump tweet. She was surprised to learn that she would have needed a permit to legally bury her friend in her yard, and she's still unclear whether she's in trouble with the law. The state medical examiner's office is working to ID the body and determine the cause of death. Oh boy. Cops show up at Vernell's house. Ask about the whereabouts of the third woman. We still don't know who the second one is. She said, I buried her because neither of us have insurance, but I didn't do it because I have COPD. Am I in trouble? <laughs> I need to lay down. Least competent criminals. Two football-crazed fans of Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick... Oh, boy. Mayhomes, I guess, couldn't quite pull off a heist in Lawrence, Kansas on t September 16th. Pulling up to a McDonald's, the two ran inside, grabbed a life-size cardboard cutout of Mayhomes, and ran out, stuffing the promotional piece into their car. Lawrence police spokesman Patrick Compton told the Lawrence Journal World that as they received... Uh that as they received the call about the theft, they were working on a car crash nearby in which one of the vehicles just happened to have Mahomes cut out in the back seat. Officers questioned the suspects and ordered them to appear for alleged theft. Flat Pat was returned to the McDonald's. That is going to be his nickname forever now, Flat Pat. Here's a bright idea. Paul Nixon, 51, is sought in Harris County, Texas on charges of felony aggravated perjury after taking a novel approach to divorce. Nixon filed for divorce in February, but forged his wife's signature in the name of a notary on the legal papers uh, the New York Post reported. A judge declared the divorce final in April, but the wife didn't find out until May when she noticed strange spending habits of his. She started finding things showing that he was spending money on jewelry. So she confronted him and he told her that they were actually divorced. Constable, Mark Herman said. They are still married. The fraudulent divorce papers have been retracted. However, Nixon, who could face 10 years in prison, had so far eluded police. Faked his divorce, bought a bunch of jewelry, and is on the run. Here's a compelling explanation for a, a long paragraph. Christine, 45, and Michael, 43, Barnett of Lafayette, Indiana, adopted a six-year-old Ukrainian-born girl, Natalia Grace, with dwarfism in 2010. 
Nine years later, much to their confusion, they are charged with abandoning her. Within their first few weeks as a family, the Barnetts noticed that Natalia seemed to be a lot older than they had been told with a sophisticated vocabulary, pubic hair, and menstrual periods. A doctor ordered bone density tests to check her age, and results suggested that she was at least 14, so they began to treat her like a teenager. Then the Bartnets claimed Natalia began making death threats against them. At a psychiatric hospital where she was treated, she told doctors she was much older and wanted to kill her family. She was standing over people in the middle of the night. We had to hide all the sharp objects, Kristen Bart, uh, Barnett told the Daily Mail in 2012. They legally changed her age from 8 to 22 and helped her get benefits so she could continue to receive psychi psychiatric care in 2013 with Natalia living independently in an apartment. The Barnetts and their son moved to Canada. Soon after, they lost touch with the girl, but inexplicably, a second set of bone density tests performed in 2010 surfaced, arguing that Natalia was at that time just eight years old, and she told police herself in 2014 that she had been left alone when her parents moved to Canada. Michael and Christine Barnett surrendered to the Tippecanoe County Sheriff's Department on September 18th and 19th and are charged with abandonment of Natalia. <clears throat> Hold on. 2010, you adopt the girl. Nine years later, you abandon the girl, supposedly. Um, the bone density tests again in 2010 that say she was 14, which would have made her 23, 22 at the time that they left. They got her benefits, they did all the other stuff in 2012, they had her le legal age changed which I guess you can do um a second set of tests performed who did the second set of tests and she was older than she was then anyway and that would have made her 17-ish? I'm very confused. I must just be tired. Wait, what? Paramedics responded to a home in Detroit on the evening of September 21st where a man was suffering from a heart attack. But as they worked on the victim, another man took a woman into a bedroom in the home and stabbed her. Then he ran out of the house and... According to Fox 2, is still on the loose. The woman died at the scene and the heart attack victim did not survive. Police are stri still trying to figure out the relationships between the three people. How does that get a wait what? And how does the one before that get a compelling explanation? Nothing was explained. Wow, the news is going downhill. This is not, this is not a good time to be alive.
Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the show. That, I'm still on shaky ground with this news. Maybe I'm putting too much thought into it. I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you that you can see the videos and the soundtrack of this week's episode over at lowbiasgaming.net. And you can uh, subscribe to the show over at lowbiasgaming.net slash electricleftovers or at any podcast software of your choice and find us on Spotify and things like that. If you'd like to kick in a couple of bucks into the tip jar and financially support the show, it is greatly appreciated, as always, and you can do so at patreon.com slash Jason's Groove Machine. I'm going to get out of here. Um, a little video work to do. I've got a hole in my finger, apparently, that seven hours later is still dripping a little bit. Better go take care of that. And, uh, I don't know. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something about something. I don't even know what. But we'll figure that out when the time comes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Electric Leftovers is a low-bias gaming production. Low-bias gaming. We play games.